Okay, so Psalms of Lament, just like every week, let's understand this. How do we recognize a Psalm of Lament? What should we look for? What ideas will we see occur and pop up? And Psalms of Lament are used to basically cry out for help. It's a situation of trial or trouble, a situation of suffering, a situation of pain, and you're seeking deliverance. You're crying out to the Lord, you're recognizing His sovereignty, your lack of sovereignty, and you're seeking His help because you know help is only going to come from Him. And so characteristics to look for, they won't always be in this order. Actually, one of the Psalms we're going to look at today, you'll see, rearranges some of the orders. But this is about the general procession of ideas in a Psalm of Lament. You have the address to God, so God's name is invoked. You have the complaint, what you're lamenting. Lord, this is the painful situation I find myself in. But then there's an expression of trust. There's a reminder of God's character. There's a reminder of God's promises. Then you have the plea for deliverance. Lord, I'm in this painful situation, but I know you care about me. I know you love me. I know you have not abandoned me. So please do this. Frequently followed up by a statement of reassurance, a reiteration of, I know you care for your people. I know you protect your people. And then it normally ends with a word of praise to conclude. You see it Psalm 3, 10, 13, 35, 39, 42, 57, and so on. A lot of Psalms of lament. A lot of good options to go to and learn more about this. So what we're going to do this morning, what we've been doing is we're going to look at a Psalm of lament and we're going to go, considering these characteristics, considering these elements, we're going to break apart a Psalm of lament we're going to ask ourselves, is this how I approach pain and suffering? I said just a few moments ago, I believe understanding these psalms and utilizing these psalms and applying these psalms are essential to emotional, healthy people, are essential for emotional maturity. So using the psalms of lament, we're just going to take a look at ourselves and say, is this how I process and respond to pain and suffering and grief? We're going to start with one of the very first psalms, Psalm 3. I mean, right out of the gate we come to a psalm of lament. If you want to turn there, go ahead and do so. We're going to spend a good bit of time there. But considering what we just looked at, let's look at Psalm 3 and break it down. You've got the address. You'll hear it. We'll read it in just a second. You've got the address. Then you have a complaint. You have an expression of trust. You have a statement of assurance, his actual plea for deliverance. And then he concludes with praise. And understanding the background context to this psalm really, I think, adds to the weight of it. So how many of us have ever been king or queen of a country, of a nation? Steve Thurber, excellent. Imagine you're king. God has appointed you ruler. Imagine you're queen. God has appointed you ruler of a nation, and your child, your flesh and blood, says... Yeah, I'm going to steal that from you through violence. That's what's happening to David. His son Absalom has risen up, has started to gather the people to himself and say, hey, I should be king. So his own son is leading an attempted coup of the kingdom. And David writes this psalm. Listen to these verses. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. 
I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Did you catch the address, the complaint, the reassurance, the trust, the plea? We'll look at it. Continue to look at it in depth. If you missed it the first time, don't feel bad. Don't worry. That's why we read the Bible continually. But so if this is the background. What do we actually start to see as we dive into these verses? I'm going to reread verses 1 and 2. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. The first thing that we see about emotionally healthy, mature people when considering lament is that they recognize and can acknowledge pain and grief and suffering. It is not healthy to pretend like nothing ever goes wrong. Would you rather be described as fake or genuine? Genuine. Hey, how you doing? All good, man. Gravy. Nothing's ever gone wrong in my life. Everything's good. You guys believe me? No. Or maybe I just suppress it, right? Just shove it down. Just ignore it. I'm going to fight with my spouse. I'm going to fight with my kids. I'm going to fight at work. Something's going wrong. Just, just bottle it up. Just shove it down until it slowly builds and you explode. Well, I have a long fuse, but once it lights, man, watch out. That's not healthy. So emotionally mature people, individuals, what we see in Psalm 3, David can recognize, hey, I'm in a painful situation, and they can acknowledge, what does he say? He says, they say of my soul, there is no hope, there is no salvation, there is no rescue. I can recognize I'm in pain, and I can acknowledge the toll that it's taking on me. We see this in David's words. We see this throughout Psalms. Another Psalm of Lament, Psalm 35, 12. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. My soul is robbed. My soul is depleted. My soul suffers. If you recall, we have talked about many times that Hebrew word for soul comes from nefesh. It means your appetite your cravings, your desire, what you put effort into going after. It means your passion. So what do we see in the Psalms of Lament? And I believe if we take a look at our own lives, what do we see in our own lives? That when we are in painful situations, when we are in times of trial and suffering and tribulation, our passions suffer. Our energy, our zeal, our desire suffers. I know I should be in scripture more. I know I should be in prayer more. I know I should be worshipful. But all of this negativity, I just, I don't have the energy for it. I just can't bring myself. I just want to sit on the couch and watch TV till I feel numb. Suffering depletes our soul. Suffering depletes our zeal for the Lord and his holiness. And so if we can't acknowledge that, if we can't recognize that, we're in for a long, painful journey. 
Why did they say the first step to dealing with a problem is admitting there is one? In college, I broke my hand playing I Am Sports, shattered these three bones in my hand. I went to a small college in a small town, and the only orthopedic surgeon split his rotation among like five hospitals. So I broke my hand on a Thursday night. I went into the ER, called them at like midnight. Hey, what's the insurance information? I don't know it. I'm an 18-year-old kid. Fun call for them to get. But I go in on a Thursday night, and they're like, uh, yeah, the orthopedic guy is not in town till Tuesday. So here's an ace bandage and some Tylenol. When he comes back on Tuesday and I go over, he's like, okay, we're in trouble because the problem really wasn't dealt with and it's just kind of sat here for four days and it's already started to get worse. That's what happens with our soul. That's what happens when we're in a situation of lament and we're incapable of recognizing it or we recognize it, but we're too proud to admit it. We're unwilling to acknowledge it. We're unwilling to be real about it, to be honest about it. So I think the first thing we see in Psalm 3 in the Psalms of Lament is that we have to be honest about it. And if we have to recognize it, well, how do I recognize it, man? I, I want to recognize it. I want to grow in this. But I sometimes struggle until it feels like it's too late and then I'm just playing catch up. Okay, well, let's continue to look at the Psalms of Lament scripture and see how do we recognize when we're in these situations? Psalm 42, listen to these verses. You're going to hear three situations. Psalm 42, 3 to 4. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. What we see in the Psalms of Lament are three fundamental attacks on our soul, three fundamental attacks on our passion, our desire, our zeal for the Lord. He says, my tears, internal grief, internal turmoil depletes our soul. If the enemy can get us internally despondent, it's an attack on our soul. We don't just see it in Psalm 42, we see it in Psalm 32. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He's talking about the conviction of sin and not doing something about it, not confronting it, not confessing it. We're going to look at it more next week. But he's looking at this internal anguish, this internal unresolved conviction. I wasted away. It depleted me. It drained me. What's he go on and say in Psalm 42? While they say to me all day long, where is your God? External antagonism depletes our soul. External antagonism is an attack that distracts us from zeal for the Lord. When it feels like we have forces against us, we have opposition that we just can't stop dealing with. Again, we see this in the Psalms of Lament, Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me for no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord. You ever feel exhausted from the fight? 
You ever feel worn out? I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired of being the only one at work doing the right thing. I'm tired of being the only one on my street doing the right thing and they all, the only one in my family doing the right thing and they prosper and I suffer. I'm tired, God. External antagonism is a threat to our soul. And then what's he say? He says, I would go with the throng. He's looking back on when I was with God's people and now I'm not. Isolation depletes our soul. Loneliness cripples us. Being removed from the body threatens us. Again, more in the Psalms of Lament. Turn to me and be gracious to me. This is Psalm 25. For I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. So when we consider the Psalms of Lament, when we consider this book, these letters, these poems, we see, hey, here are warning signs to recognize when your soul is under attack, when your soul is bereft. When the zeal for the Lord is diminished, look for these attacks. Be able to recognize them and be able to acknowledge them, to process them, to articulate them. And then the second part that we see in Psalm 3, the second part that I believe is essential biblically for an emotionally healthy, mature individual is not just recognizing it and acknowledging it and articulating it, but doing so in an appropriate, God-glorifying, God-honoring way. It's not healthy to ignore it. It's not healthy to deny it. It's not healthy to just try and suppress it. It's not healthy to wallow in it. It's not healthy to wallow in cynicism and despair and pessimism. Well, wait a minute. I'm not cynical. I'm not pessimistic. I'm a realist. Okay. Well, realistically, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience. Realistically, we have access to a peace that passes understanding. Realistically, we are called to rejoice always. Realistically, we are called to give thanks in all circumstances. So realistically, the only similarity between a Christian and a cynic should be that both words start with the letter C. Because it's not healthy to wallow there. We acknowledge it. We lament it. I'm in a painful situation. This is robbing my soul of zeal for you. This is not enjoyable. This is miserable. Lord, get me out of here. But I'm also going to recognize what? The statement of reassurance, the statement of trust, the praise of the Lord. Consider these passages. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's go back to Psalm 3, the one we're breaking down. How many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Make note of that phrase, lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. 
Psalm 27 again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's zeal for God. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And he concludes with, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. There's a fully mature recognition of, I've got enemies. I'm in a painful situation. I, I recognize this. But my confidence, my hope, my faith, my joy is in the Lord. And in that, I will stand strong. In that, I will remain firm. Consider Psalm 123.1. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Daniel 4, 34 and 35, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever, for His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Consider Habakkuk 3, 17-19, that Matt used as a call for worship several weeks ago. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. He acknowledges painful situations. We hear no olive produce crop, and we're like, okay, I work in accounting. No, that was their livelihood. That was everything that they're, they're being depended on. The fields, the herds, the crops. He says, though all of that should fail, though I find myself in a painful, suffering situation... Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Mario led us in John for communion. What else did Jesus say in that section of John? John 16 Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but, but your sorrow will turn to joy. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So acknowledge pain. Recognize it. Look for the warning signs. Admit when you're in it. 
But don't let the enemy convince you that's where you belong. Don't let the enemy convince you that that's where you're stuck, that there's no hope, there's no change, there's no answer, there's no solution. No, the response is still, yes, this is the painful situation I'm in, but Lord, this is who you are. I lift my eyes to you. Isaiah 6, in the year King Uzziah died, I looked and I saw the Lord on his throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uzziah was a great king, holy king, led the land, led the people in many wonderful things. He died and the people are freaking out. This is our leader. This is, this is the guy who's taking us in the good direction. And Isaiah says, no, no, in the year King Uzziah died, God was on the throne. So don't wallow. Acknowledge, lament, but don't spiral. Return to the goodness of the Lord. Return to the faithfulness of the Lord. Remind yourselves, remind your friends, your sisters, your brothers in Christ, your family of God's character, of his promises. Respond in a God-honoring way. Let me reread Psalm 3. O oh Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Going back to a macro look of Psalm 3. The lament comes from what he sees. The lament comes from what he sees in front of him. The immediate, there it is. The reassurance, the trust, the confidence comes from what he knows, comes from what he believes, comes from what he has placed his faith in. This is the mark of God's people throughout time. Numbers 13, starting in verse 25. These are the spies sent into the land of Canaan. Hey, should we go into this land? What should we do? At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and to all the congregation. They brought back word to the people, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They told them, we came to a land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large." And then they list out all the obstacles. They list out all the people. They list out all the problems they saw. All the reasons to shrink back from the land. Verse 30, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. Verse four, or chapter 14, verse 1, skipping ahead a little bit. 
Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword, they say? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Skipping ahead, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And then it says, and all the people gathered stones to stone them. Ten of the spies were focused on what they see. Caleb and Joshua were focused on what they knew, what they believed. 2 Kings 6, 11-17. This is a story of Elisha, a great story. So what's happening in, in 2 Kings 7, or I'm sorry, 2 Kings 6, 11 to 17, preview to this, there's an enemy to God's people. And he's been trying to plan military excursions. He's been trying to plan ambushes. And every time Elisha gets word from God and he says to the king, hey, don't go there because our enemy's lying in wait. So the king says to his counselors, his people, he's like, okay, who's the spy among us? Because they know everything we're about to do we got to get rid of it. And they're like, no, no, it's this guy, Elisha. He hears from God and he thwarts all our plans. So the enemy king very logically is like, well, then let's go kill him, right? Remove the problem. So he comes and the king, the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me who is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, so when Elisha's servant rose up in the morning, he looks out the window, sees the enemy army, freaks out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The lament, the freaking out, the panic, that started with what the servant saw. Elisha said, no, 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 this is what we know. Lord, let him see. Let him see what I know. Let him see what I believe. And then the servant, oh, okay, God's with us. Romans 4, 19 to 21. Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Abraham wasn't focused on what he saw. He saw an old decrepit body on both sides of the marriage. 
but he knew what God had promised. Consider Daniel. Consider Shachrach and Benny. Consider the apostles before the authorities. Consider God's people throughout time. And the focus is not on what we see, but on what we know. And this drives the reassurance. This drives the trust. This drives the faith, even in times of lament. So church, Christian, are you more focused on what you see or are you focused on what you know? When you come to a time of lament, when you come to a period of trial and tribulation and suffering, are you able to see it and recognize it and acknowledge it, but are you firm in it because of what you know, because of what you believe, because of who God is, what he has promised, and what he is always doing? As we consider this, as we consider these psalms of lament, that question that I just asked, I don't have anything else to say because I can't answer that question for you. You've got to answer that question. So as we consider these psalms of lament, let's read some. This week we're going to read four psalms of lament, 13, 57, 77, and 102. Apply the Acts model as we pray, as we grow in prayer. Don't be afraid of simple prayers. Lord, I praise you because you haven't abandoned me. And I know you won't because of who you are. Lord, I confess that sometimes I get more obsessed with what I see than what I know. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, give me strength for this time of lament. Give me deliverance. And then ask ourselves three questions. How do I recognize when I'm in distress? Ask yourself, how do you know when you're in distress, when you're in suffering, when your soul is depleted, when you recognize, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to pray. I'm not feeling church. I'm going through the motions just because I have to, but the desire, the zeal, the passion, the craving, the appetite, it's not there. How do you recognize when you're in that time? How do you communicate it? And how do you respond to it? Three questions, and then a fourth one. Answer the first three first. How do I recognize when I'm in distress? How do I communicate it to my loved ones? How do I communicate it to my friends, to my family, whatever? How do I respond to it? And then the fourth question is, okay, now are my answers to the second and third ones glorifying to God? Is the way I communicate my distress honoring to the Lord? Is the way I communicate my grief and my suffering glorifying to Jesus? Is the way I respond to my times of lament glorifying to God? May we be people healthy enough to recognize when we're in pain mature enough to communicate it, and holy enough to do so in a way that glorifies the Lord. Please join me in prayer. God, we thank you for this time. For any of us currently feeling like we're in a time of lament, for any of us feeling like we're currently in that time of suffering, deliver us, Lord. You are faithful. You are omnipotent. Rescue your people. May we not sin against you in our lament. For those of us who feel like we've been rescued, may we praise you and give testimony to encourage others. We trust you with all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.